3: Welcome back to Dum Dums and Dragons, where improvisers who've never roleplayed before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. I am the Grand Wizard Bukake, your host. Our heroes are back aboard the Grand Airship McSquiggly, but Bucky's been stolen by Manny the Multifaced Demon. Will Butthole find a way to get our heroes back into hell for a rescue mission? Will Quinny decide that revenge on Merle's Streep should be their next priority? And what the hell is going on with Juniper's Great Collide? Find out next... On Dum
4: Dom's and Dragons So the McSquiggly has been flying now for a few days. You're headed back towards Neverwinter to go investigate the long scroll to check the manifest as well. This crew has been on board the ship much longer than they were meant to. You get some sort of updates as you begin to get closer. People are sending ravens and that sort of bullshit. You start to find out that a cause back on the warpath to some extent... There have been renewed hostilities. Mostly they seem to be rolling over places further east of where you guys are located. So leaving the Sword Coast alone, um, mm. the kind of front you were able to establish with the help of Polka and the Graywater Syndicate has held. But they're using that time and given that you're kind of up against a coast to spread their influence. So the war is definitely still, still on, just uh, a bit further away. It's a little bit like hearing the Nazis are on the march but you're in America. So it's like, okay, well, we know this is happening, but it's far enough away that it's not on our doorstep.
2: Yeah, but, we're, we, we've held them out of Britain, but they're pushing on the African front.
4: Exactly, yeah. Okay. There's just some issues there. There also seem to be rumors that the planteers may have fully engaged in conflict against the dragon cult. Who, if you'll remember, had kind of taken a foothold in cult. There's definitely some things afoot in the greater world. You guys have been kind of away for a while. Yeah. Um, up in the mountains. And- there are certainly armies defending Waterdeep and that sort of thing, but some of the smaller nations are just getting steamrolled. Uh, the laser mm-hmm. rifles are a real problem. So you're flying out over the water. It's uh, generally safer to be off the coast rather than over land, particularly after last time. When you kind of get called to the bridge and it sounds as though a large island that's been spotted that doesn't seem to be on any of the maps or charts. And what is particularly notable about it, uh, at least to the navigator, is someone seems to have spelt in
2: giant stone letters the word help. Tom, this is a random question, but who is captain of the ship right now? Because the captain, Di- died. captain died and wasn't
4: revived. The captain's name is Ikara Darksbane. She is a rare drow member of the guild. She was actually injured previous to the attack on the ship. uh, And as a result, didn't take part in any of the hostilities. She had like a broken leg. Her leg was up in a massive splint and she had a knife out, but no one came in. Um, (laughs) So she was pretty pissed about that. And basically after the captain died and the chain of command was disrupted, she was just like, I'm the captain now she's on crutches, but she's got like a sword dangling from each crutch so that they're nice and easy at hand. She seems to have lined the backs of the crutches with blades nice. um, and she's got a truly spectacular captain's hat. Big feather? Oh, the biggest. And so she she was ready for the promotion. <laughs> she 100%. Was she like had her own hat in her quarters. Waiting so it's like one for day. something like this. So uh, when you come aboard the car says oh yes, the freeloaders um, welcome. And here's the thing. She has a tremendous lack of manners but weirdly there's no disrespect in it. She just picks incredibly blunt words. So it's not like she's like looking down her nose at you. It's just these are the terms that occur to her for people
2: on the ship who don't live here. So we like walk onto the bridge and I'm like, yes, because you fixed all of this ship. All right. So what's going on with this <laughs> island of the help? Well, we, uh, we've
4: just seen it. It's, uh, we don't know much about it, but someone seems to have gone to a lot of trouble to arrange all those rocks. Uh, we're pretty high up right now. That's a, that's a big fucking cry for help. Navigators are reporting there's a, a lot of uh, broken ships on one of the coasts. There seems to be a, uh, a fairly large settlement on uh, the northeast part of the island, but uh, that's about all I can tell you.
0: I know this is kind of what we do and help people out, but I feel like the more time we waste, the harder it's going to be to track down Merle Streep, and I need to kill her and send her to hell and follow her into hell to kill
2: Manny. Yeah, I, admittedly, mm. from all the stuff you've said, I do want to ride her soul like a sled. Um, <laughs> but maybe the-
1: we can, like, touch down, and there'll be, like, five people.
2: Do you know what? I feel like we've got a really easy answer here, which is none of us actually get to make this choice. Captain Darksbane, what's the plan? Honestly, we're we're at loose ends right now until we can hook
4: back up. I'm honestly looking forward to getting a lot of these folks off the ship. They've been on board too long. And honestly, it's, it's only my ship for a little while until we can get it back to Bryn. But I used to, you can probably tell from my hat, uh, have some experience at sea. And you see some weird shit in the ocean. But the one thing you generally don't disregard is, is a cry for help. I mean, look, I'm in love with you. We were pirates it was pretty great. Like, we weren't as great as, as the Sea Witch, who's a legend you probably haven't heard of, but she's Captain awesome. Roberts, we're familiar. Yeah, we mm. crewed with her for a while. Well, that makes me really jealous, really sad, but also very impressed. Uh, my estimation of all of you has gone up quite considerably in the last
2: few moments. Feel the same way. All right, so...
4: Oh, um,
1: I, I just kind of remain quiet. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: especially Juniper. She's been with us my whole life. So,
4: no, oh, forget it. Juniper, um, <laughs> as they're kind of bantering about this, you make your way to the viewports, uh, right. which as you recall, were once enchanted, and they're arguing about maritime salvage law and that sort of thing, Um, (laughs) and you look down at the island, and it almost seems to shimmer just a little bit, and you can feel the scroll in your pocket.
1: Oh, no. What does it say?
4: Uh, So you pull the scroll out and it sketches, as it always does, an immediate kind of sketch of this island, but it looks different. The settlement on it, even just from where, where you're looking, much, much smaller. There's obviously no help sign and there aren't any ships around it. And then as you're looking at it, you get that weird double vision, but it seems to almost be written. And you see a version with a much larger settlement that seems to be tall buildings, much more geometric shapes, whereas mm-hmm. the other one was rough sketched. This one is very methodical mm-hmm. and uh, similarly, no no shipwrecks. And the two visions of this island kind of slide over each other.
1: Oh, Okay.
4: Yeah, so I mean, you know, if you find a ship, you can just have it, is I guess what I'm saying. This isn't really a ship so much as it is an island. It's a whole island. Yeah, but also I don't think we need to take the island. I just wonder if we should help those poor fuckers.
1: I think we should definitely... Definitely help them, guys. This has something to do with the bigger picture. What do you mean? Why? I I think I. What's think, the picture of? No, I mean with the the great collide happening. Oh, here we go. I, no, <laughs>
2: I think. And he's <laughs> just like I don't know if Quinny believes her yet. <laughs> she found a book, though, so Quinny. I mean, you've been really like the scroll. I'm with you. It seems like she might just be completely bonkers, but I, she found that book, and there's no way she made up a kind of crazy that somebody 300 years ago felt the same way. What is the scroll telling you?
1: It's showing me different versions of this island, and they're all, like, overlapping. I think this might be one of the tears in the membrane of our worlds.
2: Okay, this is like a second vote for us going down. The third one is House Farch is sort of morally obligated to do the right thing and help people. Also, yes, yes, we've got a new church. I've been giving sermons for the crew. We can hand out some pamphlets. Everybody's getting attacked in small nations. What if this is a small nation that needs help? Then we can stop. Lost our world car. pamphlets. Alan gave me your antidote through a tear and lost a hand for it. We better get down there. Yeah, all right, we're all in. Captain, we'll, we'll, let's go.
1: I'm just like so thrilled. I'm like, people believe me now. I'm not crazy. <laughs> uh,
2: so, uh, the
4: captain doesn't want to risk trying to land the McSquiggly on an island with a help sign. So, basically, <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. yeah.
2: <laughs> what have you been okay. attacked recently? You mean a fast
4: rope down SWAT style? Yeah, you can fast rope down. Uh, awesome. I was actually thinking you'd take your tactical gliders. That worked <laughs> great for Bucky last time. <laughs>
1: I was thinking, like, can I fashion, like, with the hooks in class and class in my coat and make it like a squirrel suit?
4: <laughs> oh, my God, a wingsuit? Only one of your characters gets a fucking
1: squirrel suit,
2: and it's not the one you're playing right now. <laughs> Fair. Um, we need a way back up, and the gliders could theoretically get back up, right? There
4: are a number of ways to extract you from the island. That's not really as much a concern. It's just kind of how you want to get in there. So the main difference, too, is not knowing who's down there or what their deal is. Repelling down from an airship sends one kind of signal, namely we're in an airship, whereas gliders, you can just kind of wander into town, if that yeah. makes yeah, sense. Yeah, right. with gliders, yeah. we can be in
0: one place and the
2: airship can be in another. Uh, what time is it right now, Tom? I'm going to say it's mid-morning. Yeah, mid-morning. So if we take the airship around and we fly down to somewhere nearby, but we can come like out of the direction of the sun so they can't see us, we mm-hmm. can land and then we can like scout it out and see if they're evil. or be a little
1: bit more clandestine, yeah.
2: If they've got like some sort of terrible plague, which I'd be fine with because a moon hammer, but we really- they don't need to expose both of you to a death plague. Does no, that make not. sense? Yeah. Yeah. Goblin Jr. I
1: can't be diseased. Well, snarf, no snarf, snarf. But yeah, Quinny.
2: Yeah, Quinny and mm, uh, snarf. Yeah. Exactly. So okay. Yeah. I think we'll take a, we'll take the gliders down, Kevin, if that works.
4: That works for me. That seems like an efficient use of gliders. Great. So the glider hanger. <laughs> just like the background spins and a glider just comes up and disappears like the Batman lugger. <laughs> As it pulls away, you're still just walking down the hall.
2: It appears on the scroll <laughs> and then <it> disappears.
4: <laughs> yeah. So you get to kind of one of the launch pads for these and, you know, you get suited up, you outfitted. Is there anything else you want to bring down with you? Probably not, I'd assume.
2: No, I mean, Goblin Jr. will ride with me, but otherwise, no. Cool. There's no equipment I think we need mm-hmm. other than what we'd normally carry. Cool. Yeah. So the crew sort of like turns a huge crank and a massive
4: drawbridge style thing kind of comes down as soon as it does the wind begins whipping through uh, the cabin it makes the fabric on the gliders kind of ripple a little bit it makes your kind of go. it's an uncomfortable sound but one that you'll eventually get used to you just get hit with a blast of like fresh sea breeze and it's it's legitimately refreshing the air is warmer you're no longer up a mountain as the door locks in place one of the dwarven crew comes up and he's like
2: well Go ahead and jump. I fart (laughs) guidance onto myself and up and into my glider because Moonhammer is the wind beneath my wings, uh, and then I jump. There goes the smelliest man I ever met. I will jump out and allow the winds to carry me because uh, wind
0: is the wind beneath my wings.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just give a tiny shriek of joy and leap out.
4: That one knows how to live. (laughs) Well back to cranking. (laughs) He (laughs) he cranks the door back up. So the three of you are soaring down sort of through the light cloud cover. You can tell there's sort of a mist nearish the island. And again, it is a large island. So don't think like, the word help. And then there's like a town next to it. It's, (laughs) there's a clearing kind of up a cliff and that's where they, they put it. So you soar down Juniper. Now that you know where to look for it, you can kind of constantly almost catch glimmers in the air. All three of you cut down through the air and uh, come in for a landing. Uh, Tell me how you each land.
2: I like to imagine because I'm using my moon hammer powers that I kind of like swoop in and then I'm farting so much that it creates like, a headwind from below so I can almost land standing and then just like set the glider yeah, yeah, down. Yeah.
0: You know, um, when you've got a paper airplane and you throw it too hard, it flies like straight up in the air and loops around. and doesn't really go anywhere and just like sinks back down right where you were. Yep. Uh, so Quinny, let's go the glider. He flips and like sticks the landing and the glider lifts up and loops down and just sticks on the ground, right behind it, <laughs> amazing. And he just collapses it
4: and puts it away. Cool, uh, Juniper. How about you?
1: I just do one of those classic running landings into like a solid finish. It's like a solid one squat, of those satisfying. <laughs>
0: like you stop moving your feet and you get like that slide action yeah, going.
2: Baby. Yeah, and then you stand up like a gymnastics person at the end with both of your arms <laughs> up in a V. Yeah. Goblin
4: Junior holds up a small piece of paper uh, where he's just like <laughs> slobbered and stamped a paw print. Maybe it's a good score, but he seems pretty into it. So you find yourselves on sort of a tall cliff. You get the sense that this is probably the highest point on the island. You are on the eastern edge of the island. There are sheer rock faces behind you, and then sort of below that, there's sort of a shallow, rocky beach. You can see some debris if you just kind of give it a cursory look. The rocks have definitely been placed by hand. Obviously, um, the letters are huge, definitely meant to be seen from the sky, which is a bit strange. What language is the word help written in? Um, it's going to be written in common. Okay. To the west of you, there is a forest, but think kind of a, a more of a tropical full-on jungle. Not quite. More so the Caribbean like beach jungle where there's trees, but there's space between them. Like it's not a fully rich like I pirate see. movie jungle where, uh, where
2: it's not so jungly. Yeah. It's just
4: yeah, sort yeah. Of- yes. I'm literally just thinking of a beach I was on in Costa Rica I'm like that one uh, which is <laughs> fucking useless so to we're everyone
2: on, but me but nope we're on a cool Costa Rican beach which is exactly like you told us I yes. believe it
4: but yeah so not, not super thick the tree line isn't super tall like these aren't big 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 trees these are thinner curved trees okay and you can hear a light buzz of local wildlife. So just you know, insects, walking, um, etc. Yeah, you can hear what sound like lizards, kind of like skittering through the uh, the underbrush. Yes, from where you are. Typical jungle sounds: the mooing of cows, etc. <laughs> That's what it's like in Costa Rica, Tyler. Yeah, Honestly, there are a lot of cows. Um, (laughs) So the settlement that you were able to see, and again, it was kind of difficult to get a proper eye on it from Squiggly, is to the west, probably about a day's travel, a little less.
2: Well, geez, we better move towards that settlement. We should have gotten closer. It's better that we walk in. Oh, yeah, we do need to stay out of sight. No, this is smart. This is smart. Yeah,
0: A nice tall cliff to jump off of and glide from is handy as well. We might as well keep the gliders here. Oh, that's true. That'll give
2: us a speedy Mm -hmm. exit. Yeah. Okay, gliders will stay.
1: We'll hide them, obviously.
2: Yes. I look at my glider and I pick up some dirt and rest it over the top. It's spectacular. spectacular. (laughs) Nailed it. All right. So, Quinny, do you want to be like the front scout because you're the sneakiest? Yep, I'm on it. And we'll kind of follow Juniper will be next I'll go last I'm terrible at this So someone can like Wave me forwards And I'll run in Like a freight cart
1: I came in like A freight <laughs> cart On sand
2: It's not a great That's metaphor rocky. I'm coming Let's walk And I just, <laughs> I'm all ready Like <laughs> uh, uh yeah.
4: Quinny Can you go ahead And roll me a stealth check Please 16. You've spent enough time in enough climates now that you've gotten very good at stealthing Mm. in in various uh, things. This jungle is a bit harder to stealth through only because there is so much space between trees and foliage that it's not so much a problem for you because you're getting down and low. And Juniper kind of blends in a bit because of her kind of more natural armor and and outfit. But But I I herald the coming of the large farting man. Yeah, I mean... (laughs) It's easy easy to see a large silver man. Yeah. Although I suppose you probably pulled your cloak over.
2: Yeah, I'd be a little bit covered, but honestly, it's still gonna glint in the light. It's yeah. very sparkly. My vestments are like billowing in the wind we majestically. Still hear like yeah. Clank, 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 <laughs> yeah. clank. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Goblin <laughs> Junior is doing that thing that uh, sometimes pets do, where he just like won't move if you're staring at him, and
2: then the minute you don't, he's like. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
4: Like we
2: arguably botched this in that I probably should have gone first, and you could have rescued me. But now, who knows? The day passes without much difficulty.
4: Near the end of the day, you've been traveling for for some time, but making fairly good progress. You can see, you hear it before you see it, but you hear the sound of metal hitting wood. Uh, It sounds like someone chopping a tree. And kind of just like a little ways ahead, still at distance, but you can see a large form taking very methodical thwacks at a tree with an axe. They seem to be wearing a big mottled brown-ish cloak, there seems to be sort of like almost organics on it. You, you can see kind of green moss and dirt, and there seem to be some leaves. And this figure is taking very, very precise swings in a very, very routine rhythm.
1: Like too precise?
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: hard to tell from this distance, but maybe. At this point, you know, we've been around each other long enough that we have some hand signals going. So I'll do kind of like the fist up for like everybody to stop. And I'll point to myself and kind of like the circle around to say like, I'm going to move around this person get the angle on him and then I point to Butthole and Juniper both and I just do like the yap, yap, yap sign with my (laughs) with my hand and say like you guys go talk to him do the hello new friend routine I'll lie
2: in hiding and I circle around I was so far back that I didn't actually see his hand gestures so I just walk up and then I see the guy and I'm like hello new friend when he's like Perfect,
4: and the figure, in just one fluid motion, drops the axe to one side and comes up with a long metal rifle. And oddly, to your eye, butthole seems to be a very dirty metal, and there's like clumps of moss and and dirt kind of smeared across some sort of metallic frame. And its face seems to be made of a glass of some sort. And to your surprise there's a bright red image of a question mark and the thing says what are you doing here? Smash cut to 2099 everybody. <laughs> oh <my God!
2: laughs> this episode is brought to you by our sponsor Shopify. When we started podcasting an online store was the furthest thing from our collective minds, but now we are selling some sick mugs and it is so One of the big problems Shopify solved for us was international shipping. Our shipping prices if people were outside of the U.S. were through the roof. But the moment we switched over to Shopify, we were able to choose where our orders were being fulfilled from in different places, which meant shipping could be cheap for all of our fans everywhere around the globe. So if you were even thinking about opening a store, sign up now for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dumdums, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dumdums now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dumdums. That's D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-S. If you open a store with Shopify, you're going to be hearing that sound a lot.
4: Snarf, 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 snarf. Wait, Goblin Jr., slow down. You're not wearing your translation amulet. Oh, hey, that's much better. Hi, I'm Goblin Jr., uh, beloved wolf companion of the Dum Dums and Dragons crew. And uh, listen, if you're enjoying our adventures, our, our snarfy fun, uh, you know, the adventures of, of Butthole and Quinny and Alan and Juniper and Bucky and all the rest, well, uh, listen, you'd really be doing us a solid if you'd go to patreon.com slash D-U-M-B-D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. And hey, you know, if you want to help us on our adventures uh, for as little as a dollar a month, uh, you can gain access to uh, Snarfy Discord and talk to all sorts of other fans about the shows. Uh, And you know, it just goes up from there. You can get ad-free feeds. You can uh, add your own characters. Uh, Hell, you can even make an NPC at the $25 level. And you get your name in the credits at the end, which is is a lot of fun, I'm told. Anyway, uh, you know, I don't know too much just being a wolf and all. But uh, what I do know is if you enjoy our adventures as much as uh, me and the crew like going on them, well, Patreon's a great way to help out. Uh, anyway, I'll uh, see you around, and i uh, take this stupid amulet off. Snarf, 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 snarf. So welcome back. 2099, we return to a future that is much different than the one we left behind. War has broken out in the conglomerata. If you'll remember, the conglomerata is a series of corporations, often known as houses, but they go by a variety of other business names as well, that have come together to form a corpocracy, a, a world run on commerce and business. However, war has broken out between the houses. The five ruling houses have finally split. This is something that a lot of rebels and insurgents have desperately wanted for years. The only way they could break through the corporate control of the world was to turn the system upon itself. And that has happened thanks in large part to Declan McCready, Honor System, and Allen, who managed to leak corporate secrets to the world and set off a chain of events that have put the houses at each other's throats. So, Here's the lay of the land. Typhus Corporation is still the most powerful house. Typhus, as you'll remember, works in robotics, weapons, honor system himself is a Typhus robot. They are also the ones who've been supplying our villains back in Dumferoon with laser weapons. So Typhus and its CEO, Grayson Typhus, are still at the top of the heap. However, his plans have been interrupted by your intervention. He'd very quietly taken over Ventus Corporation, which worked in transportation and has built a lot of the portals that we've seen around However, you got wise to it and leaked that Ventus was working on black market tech. And as a result, Falstaff, Falstaff and Sons, or FF&S, and Amazon, headed by the sentient swarm of bees, Jeff Bezos, um, (laughs) have declared war on Ventus Corporation, which puts Typhus in a particularly difficult position. Because the alliance he was hoping to solidify with the final house, House Rathburn, through a marriage between his son, Adonis Typhus... And Tiffany Rathburn, who's a bit of a low hand, and unfortunately, <laughs> unbeknownst to him, is long dead. Alan has been impersonating Tiffany Rathburn, local socialite, and trying to keep up appearances so as not to tip the group's hand. Meanwhile, the blockchain, which is, if you'll remember, an anonymous-style group that works to undermine the inner workings of the conglomerata has begun to rise in prominence. The actions of our heroes and the spirit of rebellion they've sparked has caused them to start operating much more formally and much more out in the open. The Prodigals, who you'd originally hoped to link up with, have actually disappeared into the shadows a bit. It would seem that their attempt to claim Alan and the sort of caginess with which Declan and honor system have been treating them has meant that uh, contact has broken off between Mm. them and they are still out there, but are certainly quieter than you recall. The other major thing that's changed is house Ventus has lost its seat in the conglomerata. Of course, what we know that the people of this world don't is that Ventus is already owned by Typhus and was meant to be a puppet government. However, with it gone, a war has broken out between various cities And various houses that are looking to claim the seat. In fact, the blockchain itself is now operating under the name Blockchain United and is vying for a seat on this council. Some of the more extreme elements have decided that perhaps the only way to truly take down the system is to become part of it. There's also a mercenary house led by Commandant Potatoes, known as Outer Heaven, that is looking to get a foothold in the system to formalize the humanoid creatures who do fighting, rather than just the machines, which is very contrary to what House Typhus likes to believe. We also have... House Locke, organized out of Waterdeep. Generally speaking, a, a well-regarded house. They deal a lot in diplomacy and work with some of the other sort of nation-states that dot the world. They're the ones who are making kind of the most legitimate run, but think of them a little bit like the Mafia. In that they appear very clean-cut and very polite, but there's an underside to that. They still have agents in the streets fighting they're just putting on a better show of it than others. We have House Roberts, a group of ne'er-do-wells pirates and other such folk operating out of the city of the gate, who are up-and-comers much scrappier than a lot of these other houses. Both Outer Heaven and Laka have a bit of an air of legitimacy, but House Roberts is really an upstart house. It's even scrappier, I'd say, than House Antebellum. It doesn't really have any corporate holdings. It steals stuff. It resells them. And uh, we've got two more houses that are worth noting. Uh, House Du Erden, which is a group of drow who are some of the last remaining drow, most of the drow cities having been cleaned out to create sort of the tube system underground, who are also based in the gate. Little is known about them other than they have extraordinary wealth and extraordinary prowess in combat. And finally, there is Clan Ferdin, who is based in Nairfrost. Similarly, one of the, the lower tier houses, they work in packaging, so they're not exactly a flashy or classy house, but they are essential to the conglomerata and its needs. They have very close ties to Amazon. So this little miniature conflict has been known as the Battle of the Six Houses and has essentially set three of the major cities in this district against each other, those cities being Nairfrost, Waterdeep, and The Gate. But the war that everyone is most concerned about is that of the major houses. Currently, House Rathburn has allied with FFNS and Amazon against Ventus. Typhus Corporation, meanwhile, is attempting to restore order and negotiate a ceasefire. The important thing for the three of you is that Typhus's plans are currently unclear. Even though you've managed to keep up the Tiffany ruse, he has had to make some rapid changes to his plans based on the war against Ventus. If you'll remember, his hope was to control the government by gaining control of Rathburn and Ventus, merging all three into one and then having the commanding vote over the society. But now that Ventus is an outcast house he's having some difficulty. So, the conditions in the streets of Nairfrost are a little crispy right now. There's hmm. um, open fighting in the streets, the gangs themselves, and I'm going to kind of use gangs and lesser houses interchangeably here because I kind of want you to think of them as both. Okay. There's gang operations occurring in these three major city centers fairly regularly. It's concerning, it's definitely dangerous, but it's also just kind of fucking fun to watch. So, the conglomerata in general doesn't want these to happen very often but when they do that's just some good old fashioned blood sport and mm. some some good entertainment It's uh, the classic joy of watching someone cry on the Kardashians. It's like, ah, rich people, you're having a bad day. That's good for me. A little bit of bread and circus? 100%. Except that, weirdly, it's fun for the people above as well, because they're like, oh, Mm -hmm. look, look at the little tykes all fighting in the mud, trying to get near the seats. It's fun for everyone, except for Grace and Typhus. Mm. That said, he does have one last ace in the hole, which is MechFest. MechFest is the yearly Typhus Corporation event that... People have on their calendars, marked, dates booked off, and it is essentially a massive convention where Typhus Corporation shows off the latest technology it's built. And they invite competitors to also show their product, largely to continually prove that they have the absolute best technology in the world. So there is tech coming in from around the globe to this event. Grayson Typhus himself will be there, and it's kind of his chance to show off the next line of combat droids, the next line of mech suits, and the next line of laser weapons, particularly with the war. This is the kind of event, given that it's purely based on consumerism, that really fucking fires up the crowds. So he is excited to do that. But his real ace in the hole is he hopes to announce at MechFest the betrothal of Tiffany Rathburn to his son Adonis, which, Alan, puts you in a bit of an odd position, having been quietly impersonating Tiffany up to this point. So what we're going to do, my friends, is... We're going to take a second where I'm going to check in with each of you and see what you think your characters would have been doing over the spell of time. And then we'll adjust the world appropriately. The same amount of time has passed in 2099 as has passed in Rune. So wow. it's, been, it's been a while. The major pieces we ended on last time we were in the future, you had genetic masking that you'd found that will allow you to bypass a lot of the more difficult genetic sequencers and locks and that sort of thing that you stole. You'd the information about Ventus Corporation to the world. Their tower was destroyed by a guided strike. You've stolen a bunch of outfits. You've got Tiffany's genetic codes. People think she's still alive. Mm -hmm. However, you know that Grace and Typhus also seem to express the expectation that Tiffany would somehow dispose of her mother in order to clear the way for her to be the heir of the corporation and thus marry in. And you've also received information uh, about something called the stack that is theoretically a place where people are disappeared to. The rumor is that it's magic users and Alan, you'd express some interest in wanting to help that cause. Totally. And I believe that's about it. So, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone who identifies anywhere on the wonderful rainbow spectrum that is gender, welcome back to the future. What have you been up to? Ah, he said back to the future. I think...
0: Because Honor System is a being of intense focus. You know, there aren't a lot of variables for Honor System to consider when it comes to the goal of bringing down the corporations. I think he would be looking at targeting typhus because they've already absorbed one of the houses. And there is certainly a degree of consideration going into playing the houses off each other as Mm -hmm. they weaken each other and enables smaller groups like ourselves to take advantage of that. I think Honor System would be thinking about the next steps to bringing down house typhus, probably making contact with Tiffany's mother. And this is kind of like the enemy of my enemy is my friend bring her yep. house in on our ploy to a degree. And also probably wanting to get to the sea or, or kind of discover more about typhus's greatest shame. Cause it sounds like a weak point that could be targeted. Mm-hmm. Um, and the clue that we have is that it's found beneath the waves. While trying to accomplish these goals, keeping up appearances with Alan as Tiffany. So that might mean, depending on how much we get done, attending MechFest, taking on a whole other house before we can make a move on that. So I think that's what he's considering and what he's kind of trying to basically
4: plan for the team's next move. Cool. Declan, how about you?
2: This is Declan's like heaven, sort of, where there's like an elaborate war and he gets to do what he needs to do. So he's sleeping like five hours a night while probably Honor (laughs) System drives in between places. Like he's so kind of driven. So I think on a personal level, this was only mentioned very superficially in the last sort of arc. Declan does have a son. His son's with a family that are corporate, but high enough level to just sort of be in the middle of nowhere. So I think there'd be visits to that sort of neighborhood to just like plant a couple of cameras to just keep an eye on what's going on because it was supposed to be stable. But this is like danger zone time. I don't think Declan would include Alan in this, but he's aware he couldn't effectively hide it from Honor System. So Honor System knows this secret also if Declan dies odds are honor system has a better chance of getting away so he needs sort of a redundancy built in Uh, like a war front another business front We would have been propagandizing lightly and neutrally about the idea of the new future, our gang that we have started to be sort of the answer to the prodigals and outside of the blockchain. He hates the idea of anyone wanting a new seat. You know, fuck all six groups that want to take the seat. That's Mm -hmm. bullshit. Fuck Ventus. Yeah. And if we were looking at like the six little houses, I mean, the only one that I really want to be sure doesn't win is Clan Ferdin, because if they're linked with one of the big houses, like we don't need to trade Typhus for another equally big fucking problem.
4: Yeah. And another piece just to add to that puzzle is because all of the houses are kind of of jockeying for position all the time. When one of these houses rises, other houses will rise to fill their gap and so on and so forth. So for example, your son's adopted parents are currently a nowhere, nothing thing, but that company could suddenly become vitally important. Yeah, hence
2: functional paranoia. On a team level, I think we have a couple of clear goals that Declan would be really interested in. One of them is keeping the house war going. We also have our genetic manipulators, so we would have spread out the ways we were killing people so it doesn't look like there's, you know, a sniper team going around just killing everyone Uh, and we could actually leave genetic material that would pin our crimes on other houses just like when there's variability we steal a little DNA here drop it at this crime scene over here let things get a little bit more heated the stack is a big focus obviously because if we can break Typhus' power then the whole system kind of falls apart I also think we've had to bounce tiffany around enough that alan is no longer having to struggle to act like tiffany like we need to establish okay maybe she's sober now if we've got the spell i'd also love it if we could go in and play the idea that like she went in for plastic surgery we make her hair look the same but now it's more alan because we don't want to go to mech fest and have to have her make herself look like something with an hour time limit for three days straight mm-hmm. sure and we have established tiffany gets Plastic surgery on the reg, so... Yeah, I felt like that's, that's a way to build it in. And then I think the big thing is staying separate. We have this genetic thing that nobody else has. We have a lot of angles, but the moment we get beholden to somebody, like, Declan never wants to take fucking orders again. And every single person who seems to have decided to fight against things, the moment there's a seat, they want one. So it's like fuck them. If we were to use Rathburn, because I think Honor System's got an interesting idea, I wouldn't want to approach them. I wouldn't want to tell them Tiffany's dead. We'd just avoid that. But we could leak them info that would help them go after Ventus to keep that war going. We
0: could influence them without directly contacting them.
2: Essentially using the, the ex-Japan and other boards. If Honor yeah, System, God. good pull. But like we <laughs> could have Honor System set himself up as like an anonymous informant from within Ventus who's feeding information directly to Rathburn to become like a trusted spy mm-hmm. figure. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, those are sort of cool random brain thoughts yep. I had. Oh, and I would be teaching Alan how to actually use a fucking gun because we started yeah. using that and we've had time. <laughs> so it's like commando training, how to go through a door. That time you pulled a gun and didn't shoot someone, and then I got shot. We're not having that again. Mm-hmm. Like, probably ditto for Stitch, the yeah. lovely donker.
0: Did we end up hooking back up with Stitch, oh, or yeah, Stitch in the, in the wind. Wind.
2: Yeah. Okay. yeah.
4: that brings us of course to alan Mm -hmm. um of the three of you this has perhaps been a more fraught time i guess for you largely because a this is the first downtime you've had since coming here and b there's a lot going on you don't know if your message went through you don't know what's happening with butthole and quinny and also you lost your hand
1: fucking sucks.
4: first things first tell me about your new hand what does it look like
1: I'm definitely wearing a glove most of the time, but it, but it, it is like a mechanical hand. Like, it is basically Luke Skywalker's hand pretty much.
4: Last Jedi, I don't have synth flesh on it anymore, robot hand, or a fleshy
2: robot hand. Yeah, we've got Wrathburn money, so you, you get a
4: choice oh, there. Oh,
1: we do have Wrathburn money. Well, I should definitely go fleshy hand then. I was going to say, is, I, is well, it a clone? Because we can take my genetic material. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so
4: you've got a clone robotic hand.
1: And it's Dexter just enough for me to do all my somatic farms. <laughs> hmm.
4: So, Laura, what do you think Alan's been up to in this time?
1: Well, I think there was like a realization that we talked about at the end of the last time we were in 2099, which is, oh shit, I'm going to be here for a while. Like, mm-hmm. we're not going to accomplish our goals in like a week. So, I have to get used to being here and, and learn what this world is all about and basically how to function. I want to be able to like go out into the world, like, by myself, uh, without these two guys around and like not be found out immediately. Right. So it's just a lot of learning the day to day stuff.
4: So you do like the Austin Powers montage where you just like learn about history and and
2: culture. and Absolutely. Great. But we also have to do the Rathburn version. So we're showing her like exactly yeah. how to be mean to poor people <laughs> yeah. uh, and like how to slap a servant the right way. I feel like you might be
0: getting some pushback from us too, on that. I bet Ellen has to, like, sneak out at night to, like, check out a night market or something, because I don't think we want our mage out there interacting with people talking to people being seen like I think there's probably a little bit of overprotectiveness oh it's not, not even overprotective it's just a correct amount of protectiveness <laughs> well, for how deadly her our pers- enemies are from her perspective right of just like a little bit of a overprotective kind of a vibe coming off of us so yeah no mm-hmm. no wonder you want to be able to like do this kind of thing on your yeah, own you yeah. were
2: literally
4: born three weeks ago and <laughs> Alan, I, think, I am
1: Leeloo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs>
4: Multipass? Um, I also think, Alan, given your history, there's something really interesting in this, that you're kind of weirdly back at the temple again, to some <laughs> extent. You're surrounded by people who know more than you. And in this case, not academically more than you, just they know how to present a multipass. You do not know yeah. how to present a multipass. Which is um, frustrating. Yeah. But also to have overbearing parent figures, you're, you're reminded of your mother who you mm-hmm. still don't know the location of, who you haven't been able to contact Since that day so, so long ago now, uh, both in like us, the players time and in, in Alan's history of leaving the temple, which literally feels like 55 years ago. Um, How do you think she's feeling about this current arrangement?
1: It's certainly not easy and I'm totally out of my element, but there's definitely kind of a resilient part Mm -hmm. of me that is kind of like focused on like there is a mission this is going to end at some point. So let's say resolved yet frustrated. Cool. Yeah, that makes
2: sense. I think also you would have a hell of an intellectual puzzle. Neither of us are good at research. Like it's not our skill Mm. of like solving mysteries or finding the stack or going through all the mass amounts of data. Like we can do it, but we're both surface models on that. He's a combat droid and I'm a sniper. Mm -hmm. I'm meant to be in the street figuring out which guy we can shoot and run away. Yeah. Independent thought is still fairly new to me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) As far as like what I am researching, I know that the stack isn't a primary goal for Declan and Honor System, but we know that the weapons are powered through that. So I think it is it is important to at least disconnect the source of the power from the weapons in order to make the change back home that we want to see mm-hmm, mm-hmm. happen. So I've definitely been doing research on that. And I think because we need to get kind of inserted into Typhus's world a bit more, there is an opportunity with Tiffany to do that. Mm-hmm. So I think in like traditional, like welcome to the family, I'd be like, I will work as an organizer for MechFest or something like that. And I can do it like oh, through like good. a lot of conference calls and phones. So I, Tiffany, like she wouldn't have to be there for everything. Totally. So I wouldn't have to like overexert myself on being her all the time.
4: I think that also makes sense because the way I'm thinking of how Typhus is thinking of Adonis and Tiffany is very much in like an Ivanka, Jared Kushner way Mm. where it's like, oh, fuck, it would really be helpful if this guy who's going to marry into the family is just around so I can give him up a job (laughs) later. And similarly, yeah, I think that makes sense. I think Typhus is impressed by that. It's one of those difficult lines that I think you're going to have to walk where he's impressed by the Tiffany he's now encountering who has a lot more drive and seems Mm. to be a lot more on the ball. Because he was literally looking at sort of a classic marriage of convenience. Like, oh, if I can just marry my handsome supermodel son to this idiot and she kills her mom, then like whoop, whoop. Right. So that's cool. So yeah. And also with the announcement of your engagement at MechFest, this is all the more reason. So yeah, I think you're, you're one of the organizers. What do you think you volunteer to organize specifically?
1: I want to be able to take any opportunity to learn about... The stack, mm-hmm. and to learn about the portal systems and everything. So I'm wondering if even logistics might be something that that could be helpful in terms of getting the equipment to the right places from where sure. they're manufactured. Just so there's a chance to see the paper trail right. of where oh. things are going. So
2: you're it's able to good. be like an event coordinator. So you see Pretty all much. the pieces moving back yeah. and
0: forth. <laughs> I just like the idea of like Alan's Faerun tendencies coming to the fore, being like, well, we need to find a company to dig all the latrines. And the vendor's being like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> and you'd be like, uh, I mean, whatever you guys poop in now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't poop. I'm
4: very yeah, famous. Yeah, no, uh, uh, I poop directly into my iPad. <laughs> Um, oh. speaking of Vipals, it helps that you've got our old pal bourbon Sherbert yeah. uh, there to kind of help you with that. <laughs> the consultant, um, Robert.
1: Yeah.
4: Uh, <laughs> dispose of my poop. <laughs> well, I thought more so the logistics, but yes, uh, he can also right. dispose of poop. He's got that sonic gun. He can <laughs> use to just like blast it away. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> the people downstairs yeah. from you are not happy, but like stun guns, your poop into ozone. <laughs> bourbon Sherbert, <laughs> the immediate environmentally sustainable removal of waste, Robert. <laughs> um, I don't think I can say it. Rubert.
0: I can't Robert? I can't do it like you guys do it. <laughs> I, I think I never had to say it last session. I just why, why would honor it? system mispronounce a name? Bourbon Sherbert, the whatever, whatever the joke is, Rubert. <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't think I ever said his name before, and I never can going forward. <laughs> and you won't have to again. Yeah. Yep. Uh, but I'm glad we got it that time. <laughs> this episode of
3: Dum Dums and Dragons features the voices of Ryan Laplant at the Ryan Laplante on Twitter, Tyler Hewitt at Tyler underscore Hewitt on Twitter, Laura Hamstra at EL Hamstring on Twitter, and RDM Tom McGee at McGee T D on Twitter. This episode's sound was edited and mixed by Laura Hamstra. And Dum Dums and Dragons artwork is by Del Borovic, who can be found at Delborovic.com. Our theme songs are and now for that massive coronary and skipping through the Orchestra Pit Part 1 by Peter Gresser. And our ad music is No Control and Chiefs by Jazzar. J A H Z Z A R. All available at freemusicarchive.org. When it comes to dumdums and dice, you can visit our website at dumdumdice.com. Our Twitter and Instagram are at Dum Dice and on Facebook at Facebook.com slash dumdumdice. But most importantly, we've got merchandise at redbubble.com slash people slash dumdumdice, or you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. That's D-U-M B D-U-M-B-D-I-C-E. And tune in next week for more dumb. Dums and Dragons. Dumb Dumbs and Dice has to give a special
2: thank you to the supreme beings of our Patreon at this time. Christian Manicola, Long Long, and Jill and Noel Laplante. If you want your name to be added to this list, you can join our Patreon too at patreon.com slash dumdumdice. Thanks to them, and a little bit of thanks to you.
3: The Fable and Folly Network. Where Fiction Producers Flourish
5: Greetings I am the modestly handsome obituary writer of this fetching town of Crestfall, Idaho and this is Death by Dying Death is exhausting and so after a long day of funeral attending I had retired to my apartment to get some shut-eye I loosened my Versace tie and changed into my Egyptian silk pajamas
1: Are you the detective in town?
5: No, I'm the obituary writer.
1: Really? Someone said you solve murder cases. Murder? I'm Charlotte, by the way.
5: Forgive me, but I haven't gotten past the murder part. Charlotte, the friend I now have, is staying in the apartment above her Aunt Lillian's bookshop.
1: She was my aunt. She was all I had growing up. I need to know why she's gone.
5: Murder is the spice of life. I knew just who I had to see. The angel of death we have become friends over the years
1: careful death is ever present
5: her pet the button-eyed raven moaned inconsolably as usual your friends are abandoning you one by one
1: you write about death ow but how much do you know about what it feels like to lose someone
5: the shadow in the dark woods is making its way into crestfall Listen to Death by Dying on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher.